Welcome to the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Series podcast. Each week, we'll learn from leaders who are driving change and making an impact. Now here's your host, the content manager for the Youngstown Business Journal, Jeremy Leidick. Hey there, Brain Gain Nation, Brain Gainers, Brainiacs, how have you been? This is Jeremy Leidick with the Business Journal in Youngstown. Did you enjoy your summer? It's been a while since we've put out a new podcast, and I'm hoping to get that remedied very soon. We've got an absolute wealth of great people in this area to interview. The time just always seems to be that big obstacle, you know what I mean? But at any rate, we're back, and I've got a pretty good one for you today. This is another of our Brain Gain Navigators webinars. I had the chance to catch up with members of the Austin Town Township Fire Department, who also happen to be instructors at the Mahoning County Career and Technical Center Adult Career Center in Canfield. And we talked about what it takes to be a firefighter or an EMT. And you'd be surprised at how much those two disciplines really go together. Uh, in fact, a lot of the first responders that I talked to are trained in both aspects. I can't even imagine doing that kind of work. You know what I mean? It's, it's really easy to pretend to be a firefighter when you're a kid. We've all done it, right? You remember outside with your brother or sister wearing your raincoats and 90 degree heat on a summer day. You remember, I, I, I can't be the only one. <laughs> These folks, the real deal, man, helping people on their worst days, regardless of the situation, they just go, you know, they're real heroes and we're very lucky to have them in our communities. Truly. Anyway. Check it out. I think you're going to enjoy this one. I am very happy to be joined by Fire Chief Andy Frost, Battalion Chief Tom O'Hara, and firefighters and paramedics Judy Hartley and Nick Heitzer. Good afternoon, all. Good afternoon. Hi. Uh, a little later, you will hear from our panelists, and they will be ready to answer any questions you have so as always, be thinking about what you want to ask. But first, I want to play a video of our visit to the fire training facility at MCCTC. Uh, so hang tight, sit down, uh, sit tight, I should say. Relax, enjoy the video, and we will see you in just a few minutes. It's a field where you can really um, test yourself. I love going to work every day. I love going to work every day. Test your, your courage, test your mental strength. It's a very rewarding career. Um, there's a lot of challenges to it. But the good overrides the challenges. Test your emotions. Having partners and crew members that you see every day, uh, it helps lighten the load on some of the stressors. Team player. It's all about the team. Going out and reaching people within their homes on the worst day of their life, that was really what connected with me. There's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad, so every day it's a little bit different. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. If you don't want to be a team player, this is probably not the place for you. People are counting on you to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. You're going to be with folks that are just like you. Uh, everybody that comes here has a desire to help people. You can be trained here as a firefighter. You can be trained in the medical field. Uh, we also have a partnership with university hospitals. We provide a paramedic program here. So your math, your science, your biologies, your anatomies, that type of thing. That's uh, for the fire side especially, it's uh, heavy in the trades. Carpentry, electricians, welding, we do a little bit of all of that. We want you to come here, start here, and in a year and a half to two years, you leave here fully trained. You can go anywhere in the country and get a job. This is an actual operating fire engine. We could pull out and go to a house fire right now and handle pretty much anything. We have a saw here and we have a saw down here. They're both fully operational. We've got fully functional uh, self-contained breathing apparatus. 
The students learn how to operate this like the back of their hand. A lot of students go on to become a fire engineer um, or fire apparatus operator. Uh, so some of the things that are good with this uh, that you can do in schooling, it's where the, the physics um, kind of comes in. This class is not just a sit in a lecture all the time. There's a lot of hands-on. The dispatchers typically give you all the information that they can, but they're only hearing one side of the conversation a lot of the time. And that's what they re relay to us. And when we're on our way to the call, we could prepare as much as we want for what they're telling us. But when you walk in, it could always be something different. We want you to come here, start here, and in a year and a half to two years, you leave here fully trained. You can go anywhere in the country and get a job. You know, we always prepare for anything from overdoses to cardiac arrest to uh, having to do CPR in front of family members, loved ones. And that's why we work in groups of twos and threes and fours. I am been in EMS for about 15 plus years. Obviously this is not an ambulance. This is what we would call a uh, supervisor's vehicle or a backup vehicle. We keep most of our equipment in the back here. And we have pretty much the same thing that is on an ambulance. We carry oxygen just like they do in an ambulance. This is what I call my, uh, my jump bag or my house bag. It has a little bit of everything in here. I can take care of kids. I can take care of adults. When we talk about being out on a fire scene, what are one of the things that we take care of other than patients on a fire scene is house pets, dogs, cats. Um, and so we have these that we're able to hook up to oxygen. This would be for a large dog. So just like a patient oxygen mask, we have ones for animals as well. We have firefighters and paramedics all over the country. I think we're in 43 states now that have come through these programs. The most rewarding is as the others have said, helping those on the worst day of their life. Seeing the smiles uh, from the people when uh, you've truly helped them. The rewards are so much that uh, you're able to put those, those bad days out of your mind. There are some bad days, but they're far and few between. Going in and, and seeing somebody that was in such bad medical condition walk out of the hospital later. It doesn't seem big to you perhaps, but to them it's a very important thing. Again, they've called you on their worst day. Some of the most rewarding things, I've delivered babies. Um, so you have both aspects. Sometimes they come back and visit, sometimes they don't, but I, I've had a couple over the years and it's, it's a very rewarding part of the job. You are dealing and handling families on the worst day of their lives and you're also part of the celebration of life. And it's, that's probably one of the most rewarding times. The Brain Gain is a collaborative effort, and we'd like to thank our headlining sponsors, including Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition, and Southwoods Health. Also included are Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Moransky Companies, the Mahoning County Career and Technical Center, the Youngstown Business Incubator, Simon Roofing, the DeBartolo Corporation, Youngstown State University, and Junior Achievement of the Mahoning Valley. That was the world premiere of our tour video at MCCTC. It was a lot of fun, and thanks to MCCTC for helping to make that possible and providing that very, very cool uh, uh, footage, uh, the thermal cam footage. That was, that was something else. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get started with the Q&A portion. Um, so students, if you have a question, you can either click the Q&A button uh, down at the bottom, and that'll open up the Q&A chat, and you can type in your questions. Or if you're feeling brave and, and want to ask the question yourself, you can click the raise hand icon, and I will turn on your microphone so you can ask the question. Uh, so go ahead and start firing away, but I have a couple of icebreakers so I can kind of help get the ball rolling. Um, so I'll just go ahead and open this up to the floor. Uh, generally speaking, 
what sort of interests or hobbies or natural abilities would lend themselves toward making an individual a good fit for being a firefighter or a paramedic? So uh, we're looking for the, the person, uh, you know, physical traits and all that are great things and they help tremendously, but we're really interested in a, in a good person. Uh, we can train them to do everything that needs done. What we can't do is train them how to be a good caring person. So that, that is one of the traits that I really look for, uh, especially when I'm doing the hiring for my department. I'm, uh, I'm out there looking to see who would be a good fit, who would do that. And somebody that really cares about people and wants to do a, a great job and help people out. That's, that's kind of the traits that I really look for. Um, it's always good to, to be physically fit and all that. Um, and I, I want to say women don't shy away from this. We have several, several women in this field and they are very good at what they do. They're very good firefighters. They're extremely good paramedics. Uh, Judy is on this call with us and, uh, she does both and she does both extremely well. So again, we're looking for men and women. And, um, uh, that's, that's really what we would like to see is just good people who want to help people and we'll train you. And we're going to surround you with incredible folks. If someone isn't, as you say, a good person, how can that be a detriment uh, or, or an obstacle? It takes a special person to do the kind of jobs that we do, to be nurses, to do, to do those healthcare things and to help people. Um, it's, it's just great to start off with a good giving person, uh, somebody that is very trainable, and that, that wants to do the job. I think wanting to do the job is the biggest thing in whatever you want to do. We love to train firefighters and paramedics that want to do this. They're not just here for the paycheck. They love helping people. They love being part of a team. And that's the other thing. We see a lot of sports folks get into this because it's a very team atmosphere, and that's kind of what they're used to. So you're going to come to work with these folks at 8 o'clock in the morning, and you're going to be with them until – eight o'clock tomorrow morning. And you have no idea what you're going to get into, which is, which is part of the fun of this job is it's, it's always something different. I, I have no idea what I'm going to get into today when I came to work. I just, I don't have any idea. And I love that part of the job. So again, it's, it's a little bit of the thrill seekers. It's, it's just that team atmosphere and um, it, it just, everybody fits in here and that's, it just makes it great. Today, you were a panelist on a webinar, so that is some hardcore <laughs> thrill-seeking, man. Uh, no, it, you, when you're as passionate as we are about teaching, that, that actually is a good thing. Uh, everybody that you have on here loves teaching and loves to, to bring on new firefighters. We always say we want to train our peers, and that's what we're doing. And believe it or not, that gets us pretty excited about it. Great. So we got our first question from our students. Uh, so I think this is one that I can ask and just go right down the line. Uh, what's the biggest challenge you face in your job? Judy, let's start with you. That's a, that's definitely a good question. There's a lot of things you could say there. challenging. Um, you do get some scenes that are, could be deemed unsafe. Um, patients get combative with us. Um, fire scene. Uh, I would punt that down to Nick or one of the other guys doing more fire, but it doesn't matter if it's a fire scene or a medical scene. Uh, one of the first things we teach is how to be safe and keep yourself safe and your partner safe. And that is always a very, very important part of what we teach in school because that is what we deal with every day um, is safety of our crews, safety of our medical personnel and our fire, as a firefighter and as a paramedic or EMT is uh, keeping ourselves safe and our patients safe. You never know those scenes change very frequently uh, while you're on, on the scene. Um, so that would be one of the challenges, one of many. Tom, how about yourself? Uh, one of the challenges would be uh, being able to be a, to adapt to problem solving. Uh, we are constantly going on different types of calls. Every time that we think that, we're, hey, we've seen everything, something else comes along. And almost all of our calls, we are problem solving. People have challenges or issues going on that they're not sure what to do. And they call us to help fix their problem. We're not um, rectifying the problem. We're solving the problem right now, making it safe at that point in time. 
And the challenge is there's just a huge array of those. So you're constantly on your feet, on your toes, thinking of, okay, how do I fix this problem? If this were to hap happen, how do I fix this problem? I find myself on my days off driving down the road or just in my general life, you know, hey, if this happens in this situation, what would we do to rectify that, that situation? So that's something that's ever changing all the time. Got you. How about you, Nick? What's the biggest challenge that you face? I think I think a big challenge uh, in the fire service and emergency medical service today. Uh, I know everybody kind of touched on it when you guys were watching the video, but uh, the the mental aspect of this job and uh, how important that is. Uh, we mentioned you know going on calls every single day where you know somebody might be having the worst day of their life, and that's why they call us. So, you know, you walk into these situations or chaotic scenes like, uh, like Judy mentioned, and uh, when you go into those scenes, it, it's important that you put on your, essentially your game face uh, and, and keep that positive mental attitude. And, and you know what, it's, it's very difficult to do at times you know, you, when you're in front of a difficult patient or, or family members who are uh, trying to deal with the emergency in their own way. Uh, it's, it's a very... Uh, difficult job. It, it takes a, a mental toll on you. And, and that's why I think uh, it's just the, the mental preparation is a very important part of this job. It's a very difficult part of this job. How do you prepare for that uh, mental challenge? And how do you sort of just keep your head on your shoulders uh, when, when you're doing this day in and day out? Uh, actually, I, I mentioned that in the video as well. And, and that's honestly, it's your colleagues. And it's being around for a little bit because, uh, you know, uh, going in on a difficult call the first time in your life when you're uh, 19 years old, like I was when I first started, uh, it's, it's going to take a mental toll on you. And uh, the only person or the only people to, to lean on are often the people who have been in that same situation as you have. So uh, ironically, Battalion Chief O'Hara is, is one of my mentors. He's, he's my battalion chief on my shift. Uh, so going on these calls, you know, when you have a difficult one, uh, whether it's the first of the day, the first of your life, uh, you come back, you talk about it. And, and uh, being able to do that kind of helps you through it. Got you. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, so generally speaking, how long does it take for training for a firefighter or a paramedic? Um, and I got to imagine that you're just, you're always learning. I mean, there's, there's never an end to it. So, you know, how long is it before someone is ready to get out there and, and get to a scene? And then also how often do you have to update that training? Chief O'Hara, you are the big training guy. You want to take that? Absolutely. So there's, there's a few routes to go. Um, to be a state, to be a full-time firefighter in the state of Ohio, you have to have fire two, which is 260 hours of fire training. On top of that, there's a few other things that you have to have. So you're probably 286, I believe it is, uh, for all of those classes. And that could be broken down into fire one and fire two. They break it down or they separate it. So fire one is 160 hours, fire two is 84 hours. So if you choose to go that route to break it up due to your schedule, a lot of adults do that to where it's more conducive to do, to do the training in two courses rather than in one, one clump together. But in the end, all the information is the same. It's just they're separating it. So that's what you're going to do. And that includes uh, all your fire training. We're going to teach you how to teach you about fire behavior, teach you about personal protective equipment, your SCBA and your turnout gear, to climbing ladders, to using fire extinguishers, to doing fire attack, which we call fire suppression. We're going to do that. Uh, ventilation. And I'm just going down the list of things in, that are in the book that we cover. There's a gamut of things that we do. So that would be what you would do initially as your fire training course, whether you do fire one and fire two, or you just do a fire two course all where it's all encompassing. And that, like I said, that's 100 and or 
260 hours. And then included in that, or that we have to add on to that, that's not included in those hours, is an emergency vehicle operator course. So we're going to train you how to drive an emergency vehicle, what to expect, how to handle those situations that arise as, as you're driving. And then uh, we need you to do some EMS training. Uh, at, at minimum, we need to do some CPR because if, you're, if you don't go the EMS route, whether you're EMT or paramedic, you at least have to be able to do some little bit of first aid and CPR because that's required of the job. So those would be on top of those. Um, so that would be what you would have to do to get your certification to become a state certified firefighter. But that's only part of it. Uh, every year after that, you're required to do 18 hours of continuing ed. But that's a, at the minimum side. We're, we are teaching you how to be a firefighter. And then when we get you on the job, we never want you to stop learning and progressing and, and improving your education. There's always new things that come out. There's always new specialties. There's always new details that you have to, to do and you have to learn about. So we want you to continue on, but at minimum, you have to have 18 hours a year of continuing ed to maintain your card. And that's renewed every three years. So whether you're fire or EMS, that would be uh, every, renewed every three years and those start over, you know, and then, and then the state would give you, issue your card for the next three years and then that process starts over. Gotcha. Okay. And are there specific trainings for uh, other, uh, I, I don't know if it'd be more focused types of uh, firefighting during the video, it was mentioned that there's a, uh, a firefighter engineer or a fire engineer. Uh, but then there's also, uh, you know, wildfire firefighters, the guys and, and the guys and ladies are out in the uh, West coast out in California all the time. It seems, um, are there special, uh, training pathways for those, uh, job types? Absolutely. If, even in the field, uh, we, we can go into technical rescue where we have confined space rescue, trench rescue, um, high angle rescue, swift water rescue. Uh, you can go and get certified as a, an engineer, uh, go into the academy or here, and we put on an engineer, which would be a pump operator class, to have a better understanding of operating the pump to deliver the water and, and everything starts at the pump because if we don't have the fire truck or the pump, it's hard for us to get the water on the fire. We need that guy standing at the pump, giving us the proper hose, the proper, proper pressure to extinguish the fire in a timely manner. We, don't, we want to get in there and, and do a fast attack on the fire and get it out as soon as possible. Um, there's other avenues, there's other, um, trainings out there that are constantly being put on to better our skills as far as uh, a company officer. You can go to company officer school where they're going to teach you how to more or less deal with emergencies and personnel underneath you because at that point in time now you're managing people that are under you and it gives you a better understanding of what's expected of you going forward handling the this emergency situation and in the station house. There's strategies and tactics classes that we that you can go to that they're teaching you how to handle this situation if you've come across this. And they're industry experts. There's not necessarily it's one school. There's industry experts across the country. Uh, every town has their own fire department. Some are busier than others and some take take their information and their training further. And the great thing is, is they bring it back and they want to share it. A lot of times they're sharing this information with you for free and they, they just want to better the fire service as a whole and spreading that knowledge is just priceless. Gotcha. Thanks very much. Um, another one of our students asked, uh, is there a difference between EMT and paramedic and uh, how can you define uh, those uh, two job types? Um, yeah, so <laughs> EMT is the first step, and you have to go through EMT class before you can go on to paramedic. EMT consists of about 16 weeks or four months of education, um, It depending on if you're doing a high school program or adult. Um, if it's an adult program, it lasts about uh, 
16 weeks. Um, it talks about, it gives you, it teaches you all the first aid, more in-depth first aid, how to, uh, and there's a certain amount of medications you can give as an EMT, um, oxygen and some other medications um, that are at the state level that you can give. And once you complete that, you can actually start working on an ambulance as an EMT. If you want to further the education and be, you know, what we call the big dog on the truck, uh, you get to be a paramedic. And that is an additional year and a half. Um, so really two years total. If you were to take an EMT course and then go on to paramedic, paramedic is a very, very tough course, but it's very rewarding. So when I say that, I don't want you to be afraid and say, oh, I can't do it because you can absolutely do it. Um, it's just a very, very tough year, year and a half of education. You really have to dedicate your entire life, everything to learning, studying, clinical time. You spend 400 plus hours. You got to you spend time in the hospitals, time out on the ambulance, doing your clinical time. There's certain things that you have to meet before you get to the end of the course. Um, and there's a lot of math. You have to be able to do drug calculations, a lot of uh, anatomy and physiology. You need to know how the body works, the disease process. Um, it's very, very in-depth. So those are the two levels, EMT versus paramedic. Thank you. And uh, at what point in your training did they cover uh, delivering a baby out in the field? That, that seems like, a, wow, talk about an experience. Tell me about that. Uh, yes, it's, uh, well, actually, we cover that in EMT course. So as an EMT, you can deliver a baby. Um, most of the time, everybody wants another, a paramedic around as well. But the one in particular that I delivered was interesting. It was the couple's first child. They were on their way to the hospital. It was cold. It was wintertime. There was snow on the ground. And we were within sight of the hospital when she said, I can't wait any longer, they pulled over and called 911. And uh, I got on scene and the fire truck got there right before me. And I get out of the truck and all I hear is get over here now. <laughs> She's having the baby. Um, so I was the one that got to catch the baby. Um, I believe it was a girl and it was a pretty awesome experience. Um, so it was definitely it's one of those good times. We talk a lot about, you know, we have the bad calls and then you have some of these pretty amazing moments. Absolutely. Now, uh, uh, Nick talked a lot about, uh, you know, kind of coping with those uh, difficult times uh, from the paramedic perspective. I mean, you're dealing strictly with the people. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, maybe some of the stressors that would be unique uh, to that position. And, and, and how do you how do you cope? So you really, as a paramedic, there's a lot of responsibility. When you get on scene for a medical call, you need to have critical thinking and you have to be able to think fast. We talk about how dispatch gives us as much information as possible, but that might not be exactly what's going on when you walk into that house. It might be something completely different. So as a paramedic, you need to be able to think fast. You're, you're like a detective. What is going on with this patient medically? And that your training really comes to the forefront with that. That helps you determine what's going on, how to best treat that patient, quickly treat that patient, and get that patient to the care that they need to go to, which hospital, what will be, what will be the best for that patient. Um, it can be stressful, but that's where that team effort comes into play. You have your partner on the truck, you have your fellow firefighters, um, first responders. We are a family, 100%, we are an absolute family. And you find ways to decompress at the end of the call. Um, I think Nick said, put your game face on. Uh, so a lot of times you'll see us, we'll put that game face on, get through the call. And then afterwards, that crew may get together after the call and, and talk it out. Um, just sitting on the back bumper of a fire truck or an ambulance, we talk about the call and how did we think it went You know, with that crew that was actually on the scene. And that does more in, than anything really, I feel like. And that's just my personal opinion in the last 15 years of doing this. Okay, and Judy, I'm gonna keep picking on you. Uh, why did you decide to uh, choose this career? Uh, what, what was your moment when it was just like, yep, that's what I wanna do? Um, 
this sounds kind of crazy, but this really was my moment. Um, I had gone through surgical tech school, actually through Chauvin, and I was in the process of looking for jobs. I had had a child at the time. I was in my 20s, um, had my first child, and I remember realizing that working in the surgical suite was really not my thing. Um, there was no communication, no connection with a patient. You brought the patient in, the nurses talk to the patient, the patient goes to sleep, you work on the patient, and that's it. There was no connection, human connection there. And I remember hearing the ambulances and the fire trucks and something just kept nigging at me like, that would be pretty cool. Like, I want to be the first person helping that individual on the worst day of their life. And that was really when that connection started to hit. And I looked into EMT class, started there, and then went on to my paramedic shortly after. It would have been in 04, 05. Um, finished my paramedic up in 06 and have been doing this job ever since and love it. And then I'm a late bloomer. I decided to tack on some fire school and recently went through fire um, a couple of years ago and probably should have done it sooner. If I had to do it over again, I would definitely do it sooner. Yeah, it seems pretty exciting. Um, Nick, I'm going to ask you the same question, man, because whenever we were meeting back at MCCTC, you had a pretty, pretty interesting story about how you got started uh, as a firefighter. Can you tell us? Yeah, so uh, I, you know, going through high school, you obviously have a, a couple different career paths that, that you might want to go down. Uh, my dad is a captain on the Austintown Fire Department that I work for, uh, the town that I live in. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, I, I was initially going to college to play baseball, I thought. And then, uh, you know, as, as we went down the road, I, the one day he said, you know, why don't, why don't you just come ride one day? Come ride one day and, and see what you think and, you know, and we'll see where it goes. So uh, I came to work one day and I, I actually rode with, at the time he was a Lieutenant, he was at, he was on a different truck. Uh, and I rode with his, the, the captain of his shift, the person who was in charge and they got a structure fire on the first day that I was there. And then, uh, I rode a second time and, uh, there was a cardiac arrest that I was able to go on. Um, and at that time, a, a couple people, a couple different people looked at me and said like, you're 17, man. Like, are you, you're sure you're okay with this? And I said, like, I think so. I mean, I'm here for the right reason. I'm, I'm here to help. And, and that was really the turning point for me to realize that, that, uh, this was something that I wanted to, to make a career of. But as Judy mentioned, you know, I was, uh, I was kind of a late bloomer as well. I want, I want everybody uh, in here. These are all high school students, correct? Middle school and high school, middle yeah. school and high school. Yeah. I, I want everybody to understand how, how uh, important this job is, but I also want you guys to realize the opportunity uh, that you have in front of you. So uh, Judy talked about going to fire school later in her life, you know, uh, and then she talked about going to EMT school when she was in her twenties and then paramedic school when she was in her twenties. I started earlier than all of them and I still technically started late uh, later than the opportunity that you guys have. Uh, I was able to start EMT school when I was a freshman in college and I went to college at the same time. And I was able to do fire school while I was going to college at the same time in those adult education courses. Uh, but what you guys have is the opportunity to go while you're in high school and, and take these same courses that Judy took as a 20 year old. I took as a 20 year old. Uh, you have the opportunity to take that fire course as a, as a 18 year old or a 17 year old versus 40 years old and doing it on uh, the adult education uh, aspect of it. So you truly have a job opportunity, like Chief Frost said, all over the country waiting for you uh, as long as you take this school seriously if you really want to do it. And you have the opportunity to come out of high school making, you know, I, I saw somebody asked about the pay difference or, you know, what you make, but I mean, a lot of starting at fire departments is around 30 to $40,000 a year just to start. 
and that's directly out of high school. I think, I think that's huge. Very good, Nick. Thank you so much. And yeah, I was going to get to the million dollar question, uh, what the pay scale looks like. Well, it's, I mean, I think, I think that's a, it's definitely a difficult question. I, I think Judy would probably be good to answer it because, uh, when you talk about, you know, firefighters versus like a private ambulance company, obviously the, the pay is different. Uh, so Judy, I, I don't know if you wanted to touch on that from a, from a private ambulance perspective to, a a career firefighter perspective where, you know, we're hired through a township with a contract where you're more as private. Yeah. So it, it's variable on area. Um, if you go to a bigger city area, it's going to be much higher in our immediate area. The average paramedic is going to start out no experience starting straight out of school, anywhere the $18 an hour mark, um, give or take. Um, but that's, you know, lower than in, uh, you go down out of state, you may go down to, um, Charleston or the Carolinas or, um, any of those other states, a big city area, and it will definitely be much higher. Um, it's just variable on, on area. Um, so, but there's also one thing that a lot of people think, oh, that's not much. Um, there's also a full-time firefighter and full-time paramedic work 48 hours a week. Um, so they work two 24 hour shifts and they have what's called build in overtime, um, that those eight hours, those, uh, is overtime. So there's an additional amount there as well. It helps. So you're looking in the, a paramedic here typically will, will be in the forties, um, starting out. Thank you very much for that. And uh, Chief Frost, I haven't had a chance to pick on you in a while, so I'm going to give you this next question. You know, we have a lot of, there's a lot of TV shows and movies that sort of portray uh, what we can only assume to be the, uh, the real life uh, adventures of firefighters and paramedics. How close is what is done in the real world, like the day to day, how close does that compare to, to what we see on TV? So I think on TV, the stuff around the station and in the fire trucks, that is pretty accurate. Um, you know, you talked about how we cope with a lot of things. We do that with a lot of humor. And if you watch a lot of those shows, uh, it's, it's just a lot of uh, people uh, joking with their, with their peers. And inside the firehouse, inside the fire truck, I think those are actually very accurate. You know, there's just a lot of fun. You love coming to work every day because it's like it's like being in a clubhouse with with your buddies. So that part's very real. Uh, I think they do a really good job with the accident scenes and those kind of things. Uh, the only thing that is different, I think, for real life is the actual fire scenes. Um, it wouldn't make good TV if you really couldn't see much inside the building. But when we go into a building. Uh, the smoke is usually extremely heavy. The heat's pretty hot, uh, even through your turnout gear. So I think that's what they don't capture. Uh, you really can't see like they show. But the antics and uh, camaraderie and all that, that's very accurate to, to what you see on TV. Tell me about the first time you walked into your uh, first house fire and, and you got that experience of, of you know, walking through the smoke and feeling the heat. Uh, what was that like? And, and how do you learn to, how do you learn to navigate through that? So I was scared to death. Uh, it's, it's super intimidating. Uh, I fortunately, uh, you know, a couple of the guys have talked about mentors and I was with a guy that I really felt was one of my mentors and he just, uh, he talked me through it. We got through, um, it was a basement fire, which is kind of uh, some of the most dangerous fires that firefighters have to get into because uh, there's really no no way to get out when things go bad. And uh, the heat is very extreme in those basement fires. So we were going down the steps and uh, I started really feeling the heat. And again, that that mentor, he, he said, you know, we're, we're in good shape. You know, I'll, I'll keep you safe. And uh, he got us down there and we got to the fire and uh, I was just so hooked at that point, just such an adrenaline rush and just a sense of accomplishment. So 
uh, you, you again, as we've talked, you rely on the people around you and the people with experience to get through those things. But once you're you're on the outside looking back in, you think that was one of the most incredible things I've ever done. So that that helps a lot as well. Gotcha. Thank you very much. Um, so what kind of hours do firefighters and EMS professionals put in? For the most part, uh, firefighters uh, work 24 on and 48 off. So you come into work eight o'clock in the morning. You're there uh, till eight o'clock the next morning. During that time, uh, basically a fire station is like a house. So you have kitchens, you have uh, day rooms, which is our TV rooms, and you do training. Everybody has their own bedroom. So when you're there for that 24 hours, it's just like being at home. You just, you go to work from home when, when the bell goes off. Uh, so then you're off for 48 hours after that. So most people are able to get a second job or have a lot of family time during those two days off. So the schedule is really incredible. I, um, I start off as a firefighter. I've come up through the ranks. So the bad part about becoming chief or chief officer is you have to go to eight hour days. And there are those schedules out there as well. But I really miss that 24 on and 48 off. So uh, I, I love my job. I love coming to work every day, but I sure wish I still worked that 24 on and 48 off schedule. So, but that's, that's basically how our schedule goes. Um, paramedic and EMS is, is a lot of the same. Um, you may work just a hair less hours uh, for them because of the overtime, but it's, it's basically the, the hours we keep. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, just ballpark average, how many fires can a firefighter expect to work uh, in a given, I don't know, week, month, year? What, what's the benchmark? So I would say, uh, and, and there's so many different variations of fires, you know, because we'll have out, outside fires, we'll have uh, uh, wooded fires, we'll have car fires. So those you could expect to see uh, several of those a week. Uh, good actual structure fires that, you know, you, you got to go in and it's going to get hot. It's going to get smoky. I'd say an average firefighter in a department like ours will see one or two a month. You get in the bigger cities, uh, some of the more, more busy cities, you, you may see one or two a day. So it just depends on the area you're in and uh, in the town that you're in. Gotcha. And Tom, um, you know, again, we got a lot of middle school and high school students participating today. Is there anything that the students can do to get started now if they're interested in pursuing this career path? Maybe job shadow opportunities, volunteer work, washing the fire engines. What, uh, uh, what kind of opportunities exist, if any? There, there's multiple opportunities. Um, depending on your age, sometimes that is a limiting factor in what you're allowed to do uh, as far as being too young. But there are a lot of departments in the area here that it will have a cadet program, a junior firefighter program, where they will take you on. They will allow you to come to training, maybe say training nights. Um, in our department, we train on Monday nights, but every department's different. They do it a different night of the week and they allow them to come on those days and observe what's going on. You, you're being exposed to the, to the fire service, to the equipment, to the firemen, to, you know, to the, to the firemen on the, that said department. And you're, un, you're getting a better understanding. Different areas, they have different programs where you can do those things. So there's job shadows to where if you wanted to ride on a fire truck, you would have to check with your, your fire department in your area if they would allow anybody to come and ride. We allow, um, uh, we, we call them riders. If you come and with your parents' permission, you come ride for, you know, four hours, six hours, eight hours and observe. We will put you in the station. We show you what we do. We show you around the station. We do some training. We will pull some stuff out to give you the experience. We'll put you in gear. We'll, we'll do those types of things. We're trying to, um, to get the hook in you to, if you're interested in, in the fire service and before then, obviously you have to, you know, go through school and stuff like that. You have to be out of school to be on the fire department, but you know, sometimes it's that little hook of just being exposed to it. 
There are other um, fire prevention weeks. Fire departments have open houses that you can go to, get in there, see the fire, fire, firefighters, see the fire trucks, the, the spray hoses and stuff like that. And just some of those things to uh, get you exposed to the fire service. In, okay. um, Nick had uh, mentioned it earlier. I know this is for uh, the adult ed program, but there are um, area career centers that actually have fire programs in the high school so that you can actually go to high school in your junior, senior year. When you're done your senior year, it's possible for you to have, depending on your area, to graduate with your fire two card and your EMT card, depending on the area. And we do the same training that we do for the adults, but we're doing that in a high school setting and we're breaking it down. And obviously the time slots are different. So over a longer period of time, but in the end, we do all the same evolutions. We do all the same trainings that we do for the adults in the high school program. And in the program here at the Mahoney County Career and Technical Center, the kids are allowed to do everything except for drive the truck and fill our air bottles. So everything that we do, they do. We teach them how to do it. If something needs to be done, we have the students do it. The instructors have already done it. We want the students to do it to get the experience going forward, no matter what that is. Um, so that's the benefit of the Career Center here. Um, and then I know also in Trumbull County, they have it there. I, I'm not quite sure where your audience is from, but it depends on the area where you're at, uh, how their program is run. But it's possible to leave high school with your fire program, fire card, and then you know, then you're job ready. You're you're ready for some civil service tests. You're ready for to be hired on a department to then be a serviceable employee to where you're getting experience at that point in time. Gotcha. And once uh, someone is uh, officially in the in the job. Um, how do they move through the ranks and, and work their way up to lieutenant, battalion chief, or fire chief? Uh, we're, we're, the fire service is paramilitary, and all the ranks depend on your local department. They're all set up different, but they're, they're all run very similar. The titles may be a little bit different. So you're going to start as a probationary firefighter um, or a rookie, whichever you would call it. it again, depends on the department. And then you're gonna go through a probationary period. Even though you may already have your fire training, the, that local fire department wants to train you their way. And again, fire is fire, we're training you. But everybody's personalities come into play here, hence the different fire departments. Then you would get off probation, you'd be a firefighter. Over time, um, when openings come, up, come open, generally uh, somebody leaves the service at the, the that has a rank, then we have to test and promote up to the said position. In my department, it's firefighter, lieutenant, captain, battalion chief, and then assistant chief and chief. So if somebody leaves, everybody's always moving up. So when there's an opening at the top, everybody fills those, those spots as we go through. And there's a testing process because as you're an officer, we want you to have more knowledge and more ability. And that's what we're testing you on is those abilities. And a lot of it is, is what you do as a firefighter just expanded. You're just expanding on that knowledge and those abilities. Got you. Thank you very much. Uh, any final thoughts from anyone as far as uh, the career path or maybe uh, any parting uh, nuggets of wisdom or, or sage advice to the folks who are watching today? Sometimes the, the, the most important step and also the scariest step is the first step. Is you going to do something out of your comfort zone? And a lot of these things in this, these fields are going to put you out of your comfort zone. And the sooner that you accept, hey, maybe, maybe I could do this. Let me just get out of my comfort zone and accept the challenge of, hey, let me go do that. Let me go take that ride along. Let me go see that local whatever. And taking that step that's the worst step. And then it's, it's all downhill from there. And then the camaraderie kicks in and you, we get you hooked in the fire service to where you're, you understand what we're talking about here to then want to keep coming back and love coming to work every day. Got you. 
And uh, what should a high school graduate who wants to get into the field do first? If uh, so, if you graduated high school and, and you're a prime candidate for this position uh, and it's something that you really desire and want to do, first thing is reach out to your, to your uh, local school systems and see who teaches it. You could also reach out to your local fire departments. They are tied in with all the training facilities and uh, entities that, that teach this. So I guess probably the best thing to do would be to reach out to your local fire department and then they're going to get you set up with who trains them. And normally, that's the best way to go. Um, if you're affiliated with an, a fire department, uh, and that affiliation can happen before you have any training, uh, they are usually the best guidance because they, they know what needs done next and, and they know what to do. If at any time uh, you don't have that luxury of talking to your local fire department, call any of the schools, call uh especially you, you're welcome to call MCCTC and ask for the adult ed program. They'll give you all of the uh, pertinent information that you need, the classes that you need. And uh, if you want to talk to somebody in the field, we are more than happy. Uh, when you call the school, they'll set you up with one of us and you can ask all your questions and, and we'll give you the guidance. So there's so many places to get this guidance and whether it be from us in the field us at, at the school or, or your local school, uh, there's so many different places to get it. And all you have to do is reach out and you, you will get some great advice from, from whoever you talk to. Thanks very much. Uh, I think that is a pretty good spot to cap it. Uh, thank you all so much for making some time to talk to us today and, and uh, answer all of our students' questions. Uh, it was a really, really nice conversation. Thanks for tuning in to the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Podcast. As always, we thank our headline sponsors for making this possible. Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition, and Southwoods Health. Also a shout out to our Brain Gain Coalition members, Youngstown State University, Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, Youngstown Business Incubator, the DeBartolo Corporation, Simon Roofing, MCCTC, and the Moransky Companies. And a special thanks to Junior Achievement of Mahoning Valley and the ESC of Eastern Ohio for helping me out with the Brain Gain Navigator series. As always, you can check out all of our exclusive Brain Gain content at businessjournaldaily.com forward slash Brain Gain Youngstown. All of our Brain Gain content is available to view without a Business Journal subscription. But why not subscribe anyway, right? For just 42 bucks a year, you get everything, including full access to the website and our print edition in your mailbox twice a month. You can't beat that. Again, I am Jeremy Leidick with the Business Journal. It's been a pleasure, folks. See you next time. I